The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. Welcome to Brown Table Talk. I am DC Marshall, founder and CEO of Diverse and Engage, and a Wall Street alum, a top WBE CEO. And I'm here with my co host, Mita. Hey there, Mita. Hey there, D. I'm Mita Malik. I'm a business leader, a DEI champion, and most importantly, a working mother. And so the story goes, Mita and I started Brown Table Talk as a place to spill the tea on hard truths about women of color and what it is that we face in the workplace. So from my perspective as a Black woman and for Mita, her view as a South Asian woman. At our Brown Table Talk, we unpack it all. If you've been listening, you know that we don't leave out any juicy details. But the great thing is we provide you with tips not only on how to survive, but how do you thrive in today's workplace? So, Mita, what are we talking about today, my friend? All right, Dee, you ready for this one? Dee's always ready. I'm or sometimes ready. I stun Dee. You do. This one is what to do when you are called a diversity hire. And so very painful. And one of the things I want to say that Dee and I have been talking about, like we've been so overwhelmed by the amazing feedback we've gotten from Brown Table Talk. And a lot of the topics we're picking are, as we said, our stories are your stories. They're not our stories alone. And so many of you have reached out wanting us to address these topics. So we're really excited to be, you know, talking about this one because it's really important given uh, what's happening in the world today. And as D has and diverse and engaged has coined the diversity tipping point of 2020. So D, let's get into it. Oof. Yeah, this is good. So, I mean, we always we always start with a story because it, it helps us to better understand context. So, you always give us a great story. So, why don't you start with an experience or a story? I've got a few stories on this, as you can imagine. But the, the first personal story I will say is many years ago, I was working hard to get into this company, get this position. I was very excited at the time I got that position. I started the company. And probably day two, you know, when you, you know, day one is what? Figuring out where the cafeteria is, where the bathrooms are, how do you get into the parking garage, all this stuff. Get off the subway. Day two is like you start to meet people. And somebody said to me over coffee, well, this business was falling off of a cliff. And you know the only reason they hired you is because you're diverse. I mean, that's the reason why you got the job. Say what? Someone said this to me, and I'll never forget, in the cafeteria having... You know when you remember they're like seared in your moment? This is what this white man... A coworker said to me, and I was just stunned. Like, I don't, you know, what do you even say? And I was much more junior in my career then, and I just kind of laughed uncomfortably. And I said, I'm, I'm excited to be here. Cause what do you respond to that yeah, when someone yeah. says the only reason you got the job is because you're the diversity hire? Yeah. Cause no one else yeah. wanted it. What? Yeah. Oh my God. This is why companies today have such high reputational risk and great liability. It's because of the people who are working, who you employed in your organization and when 
they lack awareness, they lack empathy, sensitivity, and they have low cultural competence. In fact, they're culturally illiterate. This is the high risk. There's liability and there's high reputational risk. So that's my first reaction is for leaders to to hear us that that person, when you all hear that, that's a liability for you. It's a liability for you, the company, particularly if you are working with individuals, if you are managing individuals who have information and and it's just so messy. I would also say, you know, for people listening, there will be people who say, well, that was several years ago, you're saying, Mina. So that's not true now. And actually, interestingly enough, someone who she knows who she is, a very big supporter of the podcast. I was uh, teeing up and sharing with her some of the episodes that we were going to be discussing. And I mentioned this one and, and she was like, I can't believe that's still happening today. Yes, and it is. And, you know, even as recently as externally, someone's saying to me, so what's your target for diversity hires? I was like, what? What the what? So this language, diversity hires? And you know what's really interesting, Dee? Let's unpack this. I don't, and again, I'm not going to say this with 100% confidence because someone out there will say, no, this is the example when it didn't happen. But I have never encountered a person of color who has used that language, right? Like in every instance I'm talking about, when someone is talking about diversity hire, you only got the job, which I've also been told because you're a brown woman, you only got the job because the business was falling off the cliff. It was it was always a white man or a woman who made that comment to me. Yeah. And this is the othering. This is the uh, when, uh, when if white male woman says, you know, or uses the reference of diversity hire, it's the othering. Here, here's Here's all of the levels of that statement. It's one this is an exclusive place for people like me. You are the exception. We created a space just for for you, but it, not in a good way. So that's part of it, if that makes sense. That if I'm a white woman and I say you're a diversity hire, that means, you know, this place is really for me as a white woman, right? And we created this to bring you in. Not in a good way, not in a positive way, because that's othering. That's saying, I belong here, but you're an exception. So I think that's one aspect of what that means. Another is you're really not qualified here to be here. That's a bigger, right? So for allies listening, it's diversity higher language says you're not qualified to be here. You're here because you check a box for us. Right. And so again, this is where you have liability, lawsuits, claims, as well as high reputational risk, as well as let's add a number three, you know, psychological safety is a jeopardy. And so, yeah, so the diversity hire. In fact, I'm thinking back, Mita, because you, we both contribute, you write for some of the majors, right? You write for Harvard Business Review from Business Insider, Inc., Entrepreneur, Fortune 4, like all, and and I contribute as well. I've been asked about this diversity hire, um, specifically Black women. And so that's what I'm processing of recently how we've been asked. You know what? Um, I actually want to share a story because this is what's important. These things are happening right now in our workplaces and workspaces. And what you just talked about, about the assumption 
that because I am brown, I am not qualified, right? That is the underlying assumption. So one of the things I do, and you do this all day, every day with Diverse and Engaged when you're coaching Fortune 10 execs and companies, is you're coaching leaders just as I am. I'm coaching leaders internally. A few years back, I can remember working with a leader and saying, you know, let's look at the composition of your team. What does your leadership team look like? What does it look like all the way down your division? There's an opportunity when it comes to diversity representation for specifically focusing on Black talent. Pull up D, because here was his response. White man leader. This is his response to my coaching him in a one-on-one session. He says to me, Mita, I'm all for diverse talent as long as they're good. I'm going to repeat that. I'm all for diverse talent as long as they're good. And so I said, well, did I say they wouldn't be good? What, what in my, what? what? Cause you know, there are these moments you're just like, what the, what the, what the? Yep. Like you're just stunned. I'm like, did you actually say that out loud? Well, actually, you know what? I'm glad you said it out loud because now I can educate you. But this underlying assumption that anytime we talk about anybody who is not, as you would say, from the majority, yep. there's always a, hmm. you know, the other term I can't stand is quality of diverse hires. What right. d- what the bleep does that mean? Oh, you almost went there. I heard that. Oh, <laughs> the oh bleep. bleep. I said bleep. Quali- <laughs> quality of diverse hires. What does quality of diverse hires mean? I've heard that in the, I mean, you've heard yeah. it all, right? Yeah. And so that goes to the expectation. Remember, we we framed this up in another, a previous episode. And I'm sure everybody who's listening, um, you can always go over to browntabletalkpodcast.com for more tips and such, because we want to make sure you are also capturing the base line for allies, right? What is this about? This is about the lowering of an expectation, not the lowering of just our value, but the expectation of people of color is less than, right? And so that's where that comment comes from. I'm all for diverse talent as long as they're good. That means that there is a perception, a bias, a perspective that if they are of color, they're not as good as me as a white male or as a white woman. And that's just real talk. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee quite simply isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise. A promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. A promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Tober Korn, LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, the CEO of Plaid, And he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were fintech developers. We'd been a fintech developer. uh, We'd been trying to build a fintech product for a year. And so, we had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One.
I'm going to do some more real talk. Go ahead. Which is when you talk about, I think it's appropriate. Let's just help everyone out here. When you talk about diverse slate or diverse pipeline, that's appropriate, I feel, because it's a noun. It's not a, you're not assigning it to a person, to me individually. Yes. The slate is diverse. That's the target. Now, who are the individuals on those slate? Mita identifies as a brown woman. She's a, D is a black woman, right? So be specific. The same with the pipeline. Talking to a senior leader years ago about strategy for historical black colleges and universities. We made some hires. Wasn't what we expected. What? (laughs) Oh, oh. This is the stuff that people are saying in hallways, right? Like we don't, this is the real tea. And you're like, what do you even, what What are you trying to say? If you had, let's say, one white man from one school that you had hired from, do you then say that's not a pipeline that you would ever access again? And that's like, I have to, that, that's like the real conversations happening yeah, yeah. that we have to talk about. That just really, in, as you can tell, enrages me that we're, I, I like, I can't, I don't even know where to begin. Yeah. And you know what that was about? It was about when I hear you say, they said it wasn't what we expected. It was, and you asked the question or your pushback was, what were you expecting? That's yes. really where the the lesson and the insight is for all of our listeners, particularly allies. It's it, it's when and where you have an expectation or a bar that is, I'm going to say professional white standards, right? Yes. Professional white yes. standard. And if a hire right out of college was not the your standard right because mm-hmm. now you're saying your standard is is the standard and anything else that doesn't line up with that is not a fit which it's also language as cultural fit and real quick when i was in corporate america and i managed a large team and we were doing some hiring i remember we were not getting a good slate of candidates and we had to push back on HR. Senior executive says, send D. Marshall out. I was a hiring manager, right? So I wasn't in HR, but she knew. She's like, you got to send out that hiring manager. Send D out. And so I would go to the college fairs and we were then able to broaden the, the pipeline. So it wasn't just coming from Syracuse, which has a great communications program, but we were going to Howard University. But if it wasn't for an executive saying, send out a hiring manager, and she knew it was about representation, she knew. She was trying to course correct and fix the HR. She knew Becky and Sue were in HR, you know, so similar thing. And then last story, I remember interviewing a guy and I I, I wound up hiring him. And funny story, he didn't have anything to write with. He came in with a Blackberry, with a with his iPhone or whatever. And I go, what are you going to take notes on, right? And I was somewhat annoyed with him. But can I tell you what I did? I sent my assistant with a pad to go back into the meeting room where he was to give him that to take notes. Let me tell you why. Because I was sending in my colleague, my peer, who was white, white woman, and I knew she was going to judge him based on him taking his notes on a device versus the other Yes. So this this diverse hire um, idea and this idea or the experience that you had in coaching and that experience, Mita, where, you know, they told you we tried from HBCUs to source, but it wasn't what we expected. It is your expectation and standard was the standard. And anything that doesn't line up with that is just not going to work. And that does not work. It does not work. And I want to bring back what you talk a lot about in this podcast is about interrupting bias in the moment. 
Because when someone says that, that's an opportunity, as you say, to ask the open-ended questions. Well, what do you mean by that? What were the expectations? Because then hopefully there's self-awareness and people start to realize, oh, I said that and I actually don't have any evidence or details to back that up. Oh, that's good. So there's no details or evidence. It's just a feeling I have, a feeling, right? right. It's back to the cultural fit, right? Yes. I just don't feel like Mita would be a fit on this team. What is that? I don't think I could have a glass of wine with Mita. That's right. That's could right. I invite Mita over for dinner in my home? Could I be stranded with her in an airport over? You know, all these, like, what? Can she do the job? Can she do the job? Does she have the qualifications to do the job? And I got one for you. What you just said, hashtag, let's move from feelings to facts. You said, what details and what evidence? So I think for every leader here, every people leader, it's to move the conversation and never again allow for the feedback on a candidate for hire or for promotion to just say, I don't, I just, there's something or don't feel uh, right. This is, we're moving from subjective to objective, moving from feelings to facts. So we can no longer say no to a candidate. You like that? Moving from feelings I to facts. F- hashtag feelings, feelings to facts. facts, okay? We need some facts over here. Facts and details is what you said. Facts and details. Yeah. Yes. Facts, evidence. Evidence. Because evidence. Then all of a sudden, it's like, oh. Yeah. And you know, we do this at Diverse and Engage because like this kind of learning, learning on the job, OTG, because... What's happening with corporations right now, they're taking this kind of information and putting it into a one-hour, two-hour, eight-hour training, and it's not converting. It's not applicable. People aren't Mm -hmm. applying what they're learning in, whether it's bias training. It's They really need cultural competence. We do a lot of work with cultural competence and moving from uncomfortable to comfortable conversations around race and identity. But like what we're dropping here is real. I'm going to say tips, strategies, shifting of language and perspectives that could help you on your job right now. Yeah. And as you know, because you coined the diversity tipping point with diverse and engaged, there's a lot of pressures right now Yeah, for organizations to fix, work on, increase their diversity of representation. And I am happy for that. I am happy that there's all this pressure. At the same time, Language matters. Don't slip up. Yeah. Language matters because it needs the intention and impact on this need to match, intent impact. Yeah. And I want to add to something you said a little bit ago about how to re-language this diversity hire or what this means. It's never making it about one individual is a baseline. So if you say diverse slate, that's appropriate. I'm going to also add two additional points to this. When looking for let's say, to increase the diversity representation. And everybody write that down if you need the language. When you're look, when, when there is a need, it's not a nice to have, it's a need. It's a need. You need mm-hmm. diverse representation. Yeah. One, because the inequality in the workforce, perhaps, but also because it doesn't match up to your consumer. And also it doesn't match up because you're missing out, right? We know, based on research, that diverse teams outperform homogenous teams. But let me go back to the language. What you could say is we now need to broaden our pool. So it's for leaders, you're making an observation to say, you know what, 
we have an issue here and call it a freaking issue. Say we have a challenge here. Say we have an issue. And the issue is there is we are lacking diversity. We all look the same. We, We think alike. We talk alike. We speak alike. And it's not fair. It's not reasonable here. And so we need to broaden our pool so we could have additional genius, additional perspectives to do this big, this big work to get to our ne- next level. We are missing some cognitive diversity here. And how you get to cognitive diversity is diversifying your workforce. And so I, I just wanted to give language. We need to broaden our pool. So that means broadening broadening from sourcing. This is going to be from sourcing everybody. It's to recruiting, right? That means that interview slate. So use the language we need to. No, we have a need because right now we're at a deficit. We're at a deficit and we are out of order. I'm going to use that language out of order because our consumers look like this, right? Our shareholders look like this. We want to, our country, the break, break out the numbers, the largest domestic emerging market, 51% people of color. Uh, It doesn't match up to census. Like, so, so say we have an issue here, right? You can't fix what you won't change. And then say, and so our need now is to broaden the pool. That's number one in terms of additional language. And in addition to that, you could also use the language as we need fresh perspectives, and we need additional perspectives because when you have a majority homogenous team, you don't have fresh perspectives. You have people who think alike. Look, I have it on my team. Sometimes we pull in a third or a fourth person when I know I'm in the room with Stephanie, I'm in the room with Davida. We tend to all think alike. So I'm going to Courtney because Courtney sees things through a different lens. So I'm going to stop there, friend. What, what say you? I mean, listen, I hope everyone was taking notes. Rewind. That is some phenomenal language, especially rewind on uh, broadening the pool and fresh perspectives. Before we get to tips, I am going to give my younger self some advice when I was called the diversity hire. Again, we talk about this for all of our Black woman sister friends who, brown friends who are listening. You have to protect yourself and your space and your energy, and you have to do what's right for you in these moments. But if that was me again, and it has been me, I will say to the person, I am not a diversity hire. I earned this seat. That's good. I earned this seat. Thank you. That's it. And let's move on. Drop my. That's it. Done and done. I'm just done. I am done. I earned this seat. We earned this. That's right. Check it. We earned it. That's right. Oh, I love it. All right. I just feel like we so served folks in this episode. I really do. I I believe women of color are, um, you know, shouting with us and and just happy that we said it and that you had the courage to share your story, Mita. And I think we gave, not I think, I know we gave a ton of value here. I think for the allies in the room. And so now we're going to go to our tips. As you all know, we always like to leave you with tips. So here are our three tips for what to say and how to address when you are called a diversity hire. Tip number one, stop using diversity hire language, period. We gave you uh, some additional thoughts on language. And so that would be number one. Number two, Educate others on why this is hurtful. And Mita, number three, drop the mic, my friend. Well, 
One and two was for the allies, right, D? One and two is for all the allies listening. Pull up. Number three is for all the women of color listening. Next time someone calls you a diversity hire, this is what you say. I am not a diversity hire. I earned this seat. I earned this seat. We earned the seat. D and I earned the seat. Thank you for taking a seat at our table at Brown Table Talk. D and I so appreciate you. Please, if you liked it, give us a share, give us a review, spread the word with your communities, and we will see you next time. Side effects of listening to Brown Table Talk may include allies unleashed, getting paid more, and a dose of badassery all the way around. More at www.browntabletalkpodcast.com.